Happy New Year. How are you doing? Are you ready to roll or are you kind of going, oh my word, I'm still trying to recover from Christmas. We're ready to roll. Excellent. Today's going to be a great day for sure. So we're on the final part of a series called, Are You Ready for More? The rhetorical question, the answer to which is yes, please, Pastor. And um, we've been interrupted a little bit by Christmas, but, but this is the last one. And then we're going to roll into a new series, which will continue on a similar kind of theme, I think. So the question is, are you ready for more? And, and by more, I was thinking about that this morning. I'm, I'm not talking about more stuff. I'm not talking about more activity. I'm talking about more of God. I'm talking about more of his presence and his power in your life and all that goes with that. And, and the point I think is this, is if we want more, if we want more of that, we are going to have to tweak the dial in a few areas. We're going to have to turn the temperature up just a little bit. And that pendulum that we've talked about is going to have to swing in a certain direction. Here's a thought for you. If you are happy with the status quo, then keep on doing exactly what you've been doing. But if you want more, some things are going to have to change. And the reality is, we've talked about this through the course, that there are plenty of things outside of our control. Agreed? But there are some things that we can at the very least influence or nudge or, or prioritize or, or keep working. And that's where these kingdom culture values come in. Next, next slide, please. Yeah, perfect. There we go. These are the dials that we need to tweak if we want more. We've already covered, I would say the first five, they're in a wonky order there. We've already covered five of those, positively positive, always full of grace, radically responsive, naturally supernatural, the fear of the Lord. And today we're going to do the sixth and final one, which is the spirit of faith. So we're going to dive straight into that this morning. We're going to read a couple of verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, this is a powerful chapter actually. The context is persevering under persecution. And in verses 13 and 14, Paul talks about this idea of a spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, and then I spoke in faith. We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him, and together we will all be brought into his presence. So the idea is this. Faith, faith is a spirit that we can all have and that should invade and pervade everything. And it's important, of course, for, for that faith to sink deep and to grow strong 
and to spread wide. Faith should be at work in our thoughts. It should be heard in our words. It should be seen in our actions. Faith is a spirit that is caught. It can be transferred. It grows. And faith is an attitude we prioritize. It's a lifestyle we practice. And it's a characteristic that we should be known for. 2 Corinthians 4.30 We have the same spirit of faith. First I believed, then I spoke in faith. Now we see this, this spirit of faith in evidence all the way through Scripture. You can read Hebrews chapter 11, that famous Old Testament hall of fame. All, all the heroes in that chapter are all commended for their great faith. We have David versus Goliath. We have Joshua versus the walls of Jericho. We have Elijah versus the prophets of Baal. We have Daniel versus the lion's den. We have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego versus the fiery furnace. Jesus, of course, exemplified the spirit of faith every single day. We're talking about someone who left his home and his family and his career, started by fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, and then he traveled the land with, with bare essentials, with a, a, a ragamuffin band of misfits, preaching and teaching and healing the sick every day. We're talking about someone who took on the religious establishment. He called them vipers. He called them whitewashed tombs. He called them hypocrites. Almost though he was goading them to kill him. Which of course they did. He also performed, of course, extraordinary acts of faith. Turning water into wine. Spitting into a blind man's eyes and opening them. And calling Lazarus, who was dead, out of the tomb. Of course, throughout the Gospels, we see examples of, of people who caught this spirit of faith. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5, who pushed through the crowd just to grab hold and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. In Mark chapter 2, we have an example of four friends. Jesus was ministering in a room that was so busy. If you remember, they climbed onto the roof, they made a hole, and they dropped their friend who was paralyzed on his stretcher, from the roof down to the floor and Jesus' feet. One of my favorites is the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8 who said this. He said, I recognize genuine authority and power when I see it. Just say the word, he said to Jesus. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. What did Jesus reply to that? He said this, I haven't seen such great faith in all Israel. Repeatedly, Jesus commended the spirit of faith. Matthew 9, 22, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. Same chapter, verse 29. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Mark 5, 36. Jesus heard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. And he made it abundantly clear 
that, that we need to be a people of faith. Matthew 17, 20. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And then we move into the book of Acts. You know, I think people read the book of Acts looking for all sorts of success factors and formulae. But for me, as I read that book, the standout characteristic is that they walked in a strikingly strong and bold faith. Think of Peter and John at the temple gate, called beautiful. The beggar there, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Think of Stephen standing before a crowd, rocks in their hands, ready to stone him for blasphemy, preaching the gospel loud and strong. Think of Paul and Silas in prison at midnight, singing praises. We're not talking about a lovely, lush church with nice contemporary sound system and fantastic praise and worship music. We're talking about a dungeon, stinking sewage field, rat-infested, surrounded by drunks and thieves and murderers. And then finally, think about the, the teaching of the apostles. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 5 verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then thirdly, Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I don't know about you, as I read through those scriptures, I, I find them pretty convincing and very compelling. So, what does this spirit of faith look like? What, what characterizes people who have it? What sets them apart? How can you tell if people have it or not? I'm going to run through quickly just seven characteristics of the spirit of faith. Number one, the spirit of faith says, my God is bigger and stronger and wiser and greater. You know, the reality of God's omnipotence underpins everything. It's not just a principle that we, we sing about on a Sunday morning, but it's a reality that should shape our entire lives. Strong faith, rooted in knowing who God is and what he's done in the past and what he promises to do in the future. And do you know what that means? That means if God is 
if God is for me and God is with me and God is in me, why should I be afraid? Why should I ever back down or, or hesitate or even begin to think that I can't? Number two, the spirit of faith says, I am in covenant relationship with the creator of the universe. We understand, don't we, the covenant is the strongest kind of bond that you can possibly have. And God has formed that bond with you. He's sealed in his own blood. And that covenant cannot be broken in any way under any circumstances. And that's why scripture says that nothing can separate you from his love. That's why it says that no one can snatch you from his hand. That's why he's able to say, never will I leave you nor forsake you. That's why it's able to say, if God is for you, who can be against you? And once you realize the strength of that covenant relationship, everything changes. Once you truly grasp that God is for you, once you start to live in the fullness of the reality that God is with you, your capacity for faith explodes. Number three, I'm fly through these quickly. Number three, the spirit of faith says, if God says it, that's good enough for me. Here's the line, dear old Smith Wigglesworth, God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. And so the spirit of faith takes God at his word. Straight, simple, unshakable. The verse that cemented all of this for me, Jeremiah 1 verse 12. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. God himself is personally watching over his word to make sure that what he has promised comes to pass. And therefore we can stand on God's promises with complete confidence. Because every promise comes with the full weight of heaven behind it. And you know what? That gives us the right to be very bold. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. And I'll tell you what else that should do. That, that should also disqualify those pesky doubts and uncertainties and worries. Remember Isaiah 55, which, which teaches that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if that is the case, and if God is watching over his word to perform it, you know, I'm okay with leaving the big stuff to him. And I'm okay with leaving the little stuff to him. I don't feel that I need to have it all figured out. What matters is God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Number four, I want a feeling their faith charging inside them, ready for 24, yeah? I think I need to work this a bit harder. Number four, here we go. I am not moved by what I can see, that's what the spirit of faith says. I'm not moved by what I can see. I'm only moved by what the Word of God says. 
2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. We live by faith, not sight. You see, what we see, what we see with our natural eyes, what we see is fleeting and unreliable. What God said is immovable and eternal. And the challenge is this. In a confused and a broken world, with an enemy who is a compulsive liar, it's easy to be tossed about by those deceiving thoughts and feelings. But you know, the spirit of faith makes a life-changing, stake-in-the-ground decision, which is to choose to trust God rather than those feelings. To trust what I believe over what I can see. To trust what he has promised over what I fear. And John, this is so liberating. It, it disempowers th those pesky circumstances from, what's the expression, playing you like a piano. And your life becomes defined by a new reality, which is what the word of God says. Number five, each of these is a message on their own probably, one day. Number five, the spirit of faith says, I don't, don't care who they say I am, I only care who God says I am. The spirit of faith makes a stake in the ground identity decision and lets who, who you are in Christ define you rather than your past failures or your perceived weaknesses or those nagging fears and doubts. You know what, besides new degrees of stability and security, which in itself is great, it also sets us free and makes us dangerous. With all that stake in the ground, identity decision made, no, no longer can the enemy's lies pummel and torment you. No longer can other people's comments and opinions and looks unsettle you. And if the spirit of faith is leading you, then it's all about pleasing God rather than being intimidated by people. We're no longer impressed by religion, no longer impressed by looking good, but in the bold pursuit of freedom and wholeness and the kingdom's purpose. Maybe then, number six. The spirit of faith says, if the Holy Spirit says leap, my instinctive answer is, how high? How high? You know, we've talked, haven't we, about, about supernatural harvest coming from supernatural seed. So if it is Holy Spirit sparked, we, we must jump all over it. And you know what? The spirit of faith is actively looking for that seed. I'll say that again. I think that's a crucial line. The spirit of faith is actively looking for that supernatural seed or spark. Not only is it actively looking for it, it is quick and decisive and precise in obeying it. Because it knows the power that's released. The spirit of faith knows that it's clothed with power from on high. The spirit of faith knows it's on assignment from heaven as ambassadors for Christ, on the lookout 
for divine initiation and divine direction. Spirit of faith knows that if the Holy Spirit is leading, we can follow boldly and confidently, knowing that God's got it. Number seven, last one. The Spirit of faith says, I know that I know that I know that I am on the victory side. And that becomes the starting point. It becomes the assumption, it becomes the perspective heading into every situation. Not desperately trying what the Christian life sometimes feels like. Not desperately trying to scramble the occasional mini-token victory to win. But I'm already on the victory side. You know, that boldness isn't arrogance. It's a humble acceptance that God is on our side and we are on his. And you know what, if I stumble, that doesn't make me a loser. It makes me a learner. In fact, nothing can make me a loser. Why? Because I am a king's kid and I'm on the victory side by definition. Okay, that's quite a list, isn't it? Flew through that. Let me ask you a question. Is that what your Christian life looks like? Should it? Would, would you like it to? Have you been there in the past, but, but somehow you seem to have rather lost your way? Is this your dream for 2024? Which leads nicely to my final section, which is how do we get there? How do we get there? Four, four, four things that we can do, prioritize, press into, that are going to help us to grow and to cultivate and to catch this spirit of faith that we see all the way through Scripture. Number one is to make sure you know the source. Make sure you know the source, capital, it's little s, you know where, you know where things are coming from. And make sure you know the source, capital S, you know from whom it's coming. And the key word there is the word know. Do you know the source? Acts 4 verse 13. Familiar little passage, I'm sure. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. What did they see? They saw the spirit of faith. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures and on suddenly feeling qualified. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You see, their boldness came out of relationship and so will yours. Do you really know who he is? Do you really know what he says? Do you really know what he can do? What he wants to do through you? You know, true faith and boldness come from hiding just behind Big Brother, whose name is Jesus. And therefore, feed that relationship with all you've got. Lots more on that in our next series that we tease us. Okay, number one, make sure you know the source. Capital C, S, or small s. Number two, make sure you're digging into the Word. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
or as I was taught it in the old King James, faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's a statement for you. The presence or absence of faith in your life will be determined by the presence or absence of God's word in your life. Faith and the word of God are inseparable. And strong faith is and will be always the result of God planting his word deep in your heart. Which means that if, if, if the word doesn't have a prominent part in your schedule, it will be impossible for you to grow strong faith. You know, one of my habits, I, I read the Bible at the breakfast table with my coloring pencil. Why? Because I want the first thing my boys see every day when they wake up is their father in the word. And you know what, if that's a bit of a struggle for you, I know it can be. I know when people start talking about there's sometimes little pangs of guilt. I know I should do more. And, uh, I'm going to suggest for you what we're going to call a micro habit. And I'm going to suggest that you set yourself an attainable daily target. I, I read this week of a church that's going to read the Bible in a month. Good luck with that, my word. Whew. So set yourself an attainable target. One psalm, one proverb, one New Testament passage. Let that begin to feed your faith. Out of that, an appetite will begin to grow for more. I'm just just two resources for you. One you may have heard of before is called the Essential 100. And someone, actually, Scripture Union, I think, they went through and they picked, if you can even begin to do this, the, the most important hundred passages in the whole Bible. The E100. I've, I've put a, a, a link to that, actually, uh, on our website. And if you go to the Word and you go down to Bible Reading Plan, you'll find a link there for the Essential 100. I'll print some out for next week. And there's also a, a Bible Reading Programme that I've run ever since I got here. I don't know who's doing it. I know my wife is doing it. And Anne, thank you. That's two, that makes it worthwhile. One chapter a day. And we're somewhere in the middle of various different books. Seven different themes, seven days. Prophets, law, gospels, epistles, that kind of thing. Feel free to dive in. You can always go back. They're all up there. You can go back to the beginning and start Genesis 1 if you want to. But anyway, I suggest a micro habit to begin with. Okay, number three. Again, a familiar point. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise. We could, I suppose we could rewrite that. He who walks with the faithful becomes faith-filled. Faith is back to the definition, faith is a spirit. And that spirit can be taught, can also be caught. Which leads, I think, to, to penetrating questions like this. Who is influencing you and what are you catching from them? 
Are you catching the spirit of faith? Or are you catching something else altogether? The reality is this. Those people around you are either strengthening or weakening your faith. Similarly, and this is a big statement I know. The church you attend is either feeding or starving your faith. Therefore, you need to choose wisely. You see, just as, as faith is a spirit that you can catch, so is fear. So is doubt and unbelief and negativity. A couple of quotes I love. Lie down with dogs and you'll get up with fleas. This is Steve Irwin. Anyone remember Steve Irwin? Enthusiasm is infectious. He had plenty of that. But so is chicken pox. Be careful what you catch. Wise words. Who'd have thought it? So all that means, if you want to walk in, have the spirit of faith, you need to pick the environments you frequent. You need to choose the influences you permit. You need to check whose podcast you are listening to or whose YouTube you are watching, whose book you are reading, whose song you are singing. So be intentional. Get around those from whom you can catch the spirit of faith. Those people who boost and energize your faith. When we come to response this morning, that's one issue I think we can all take to the Lord today. Number four, last one, nearly there. Number four is how do we get hold of this spirit of faith? Number four is pray for boldness. We know, don't we, we've, we've already read Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, but boldness least to an extent, comes by praying. We have a, an inspiring biblical precedent. Acts chapter 4, I'm sure you know the story. Peter and John had been imprisoned and interrogated and threatened and released. And then returning to their fellow believers, they reported what had happened. Here's the account. Acts 4.24, when they heard the reports, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Verse 29, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What a great prayer. Listen to this, verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. I'm longing for the day this building shook, shakes. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. You know, Jesus' boldness came from his mountaintop prayer life. Numerous times we, we read that Paul asked his readers to pray that he'd preach the gospel boldly. And in Acts chapter 4, they prayed for boldness and the building shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and went out preaching boldly. I wonder what would happen in your life if you made a habit of praying for holy boldness. Something like this, God, make me bold and give me courage. Open doors for me. 
Place me in situations where I need to step up and stand out to the dangerous prayer. Help me to shut out my feelings and fears and instead stand resolutely on your promises. Lead me, Holy Spirit, and I will follow wherever you go. Okay. Leave you with a challenge, and then we'll go into response. So a challenge firstly for you personally, and then a challenge for us corporately. Here we go. This one's for you. In 2024, are you going to live under the shadow of fear? Or are you going to feed the spirit of faith? Who's going to lead you? Is it going to be your circumstances? Or is it going to be God's word? Are you going to be limited to what you are capable of? Or are you going to open the door by faith to what God the Holy Spirit is capable of? Are you prepared to step out of the comfort zone to get what God has for you? It's my challenge. And what about for us corporately as a church? Imagine what this place would be like if fear was conquered and faith liberated. If we started wholeheartedly trusting God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, God who split the Red Sea. I've just spent a blessed week looking at the Red Sea, wondering where it split. Are we going to trust wholeheartedly the God who raised Jesus from the dead? The one who healed absolutely everyone and sent the Holy Spirit on the church at Pentecost. Imagine what it would be like if this atmosphere in this place was charged with faith and with expectation and with possibility. Remember where we started. If we want more, we need to tweak the dial in a few areas. We need to turn the temperature up. We need the pendulum to swing in a certain direction. If we're happy with the status quo, let's keep doing what we've always done. But if you want more, some things are going to have to change a little. And hopefully this morning I've given, given us all some tools along that road. I'd encourage you this morning to respond. Let's pray some dangerous prayers. Go for it. Okay, the worship team would like to come forward. I'll set up the response. Look at the time, all the time we've got to respond. You know, you might have noticed um, quite intentionally that we've tried to speed up the early part of the service because we're on a journey. And I know you all come to church just chomping at the bit to hear the word of God. But that's a means, not an end. The the, the end is, is you and your relationship and where you go next. What was it James said? Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. You know, and, and I believe that the God speaks his word for us to grab a hold of and do something with. And that's why we like to devote time to response at the end, not so we can sing another couple of nice songs, although we will sing another couple of nice songs. Not so you can watch your clock until the kids come out, although you might do that too. But it gives you the opportunity just to reflect on what you've heard, the challenge that you've been given, 
to take those things, those thoughts, those principles, those promises to the Lord and do some serious business. And I guarantee you that if you will, things will change. Okay, so response. Three possible responses this morning. Well, an infinite number, but three that I've listed. Number one, I'm going to encourage you to make a commitment to get into his word in 2024. So his word can get into you. You know, may, you may have started that. You may be on reading the Bible in a month. You may be already worked your way through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. If you have, praise the Lord. If you've not, then I'd encourage you this morning to go to the Lord and say, okay, how does this work for me? What does this look like for me? Make a commitment to get into the word in 2024 because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's challenge number one. Some of you might not get past challenge number one. That's good. Challenge number two is this. Make a decision to hang out with people who carry the spirit of faith. You know what that might mean? That might mean cutting a few cords. Cutting off the influence, not necessarily the relationship, cutting off the influence of those people who lead you into fear and who lead you into unbelief. So I'd encourage you in the time that we have, and we have plenty of time, to take that to the Lord. Who am I going to allow to have influence over my life? Who am I going to allow to feed me? What am I going to catch and from whom? I think that's a good question. And then the third challenge, you can start that right now, is I'm going to challenge you to start to pray bold prayers for boldness daily. Make it part of your early morning prayer life when you're out with the dogs chomping through the mud in the pouring rain. That's just me. Pray these bold prayers. God, use me, change me, do something in me, around me, charge me up, fill me with faith, fill me with courage, fill me with boldness, give me opportunities, make me dangerous. And I'd encourage you to start praying some of those prayers. Because do you know what? God's got this habit of answering the most dangerous of prayers, as we can all acknowledge. Let's stand. Thank you for your patience. I'm going to just pray very briefly, then the worship team will lead us, and Simon will kind of steer this through. But I just want to pray very simply. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we want to be a people of faith. We want to be people of faith individually. We want this to be a church blazing with faith in Christ, crucified and risen and glorified. The Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray a dangerous prayer. Would you do in me? Would you do in everyone here? Would you do in this church as a whole? Anything you need to do to grow and to feed and to charge and to spark our faith. God, we want to. We need to catch that spirit of faith. Holy Spirit, we give you the next few minutes. Come do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Okay, as always, we'll have a prayer ministry team over this side. They'll be delighted to pray for you over anything you, you may wish prayer for. Over this side here, if you want to do business with God on your own, I've given you some strong challenges. Come and get in your knees, get in your faith, and pray those big, bold prayers. I recommend it.
And I promise at the end of, of last year that I will be available on a Sunday morning to pray for healing for anybody. You're welcome to go and see these wonderful guys too. But if you need healing in your body, come and see me. I even remembered to bring my anointing oil this week. Let's worship.